Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This motion is a basically is they're laying the groundwork for defunding the sheriff's department as we know it. Bottom line, that is their goal, and they're going to fund all of their uh, their ideas, their pet projects through the sheriff's department's budget. We take the lion's share of net county costs, and that's exactly what they're going for. L.A. County Sheriff there, and if you live in Los Angeles or the surrounding area, you're 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 concerned about this. If you live anywhere else in the country, you get to watch. Another interesting experiment in this whole defunding the police movement that is sweeping the nation. As the L.A. County Board of Supervisors last night voted in favor to put a defund the police proposal on the November ballot. Now, I can't wait to see how that turns out or early polling or whatever, because I don't know what most people think about this. To me, it's so crazy, but I have no idea what other people think about it. Check. I'm being silenced. Uh, As always, any idea you get through the media as to how people feel is going to be wildly distorted and you can't trust it at all i mean that that measure might go down 80 20 or it might pass yeah you know substantially i have no idea the so-called reimagine la county proposal passed in a four to one vote last night we'll hear from the one dissent here in just a second the measure proposes a shift of roughly 10 percent of the county's law enforcement and legal systems budget and would redistribute the funds to low-income areas and social programs. Call that social program if someone's breaking into your home. Maybe the police can ride unicorns instead of horses. Is any of this about taking responsibilities out of the sheriff's yeah. hands as yeah. well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some of it is that. It's like half but, a billion well, dollars they're talking about, though, right? Yeah, it's a lot of money. Let's hear from the supervisor who did not vote for it. That's the next clip, 29. My frustration is is that to defund law enforcement and, and call it reimagining, you know, is a bunch of baloney. I, I, I think what frustrates me is that the voters are going to look at the title and believe that this is something positive, not recognizing that what it's doing is taking money away from public safety. And it's not just sheriff. 
it's the DA, it's the prosecutors. It's, it's going to impact this county in ways that, if this passes, will impact generations to come. The people that are going to suffer the most, ironically, are going to be the very same African-American, Latino communities, the poorest communities that get the hardest impact because of the crimes. The people making the decisions are the ones living in gated communities on the west side of town will never see the impact of the decision. That's uh, quite possibly true. Um, yeah, we've been on board with why are police dealing with a mentally ill homeless person? That's not what they're trained to do. Sure. And they don't want to. And they're, you know, and they don't want to. Yeah. Um, a bunch of it. So I'm not the kids that her, his, her argument a part of it was we can't defund the police. We need every bit of money we've got for police right now. If we decide we also need people to deal with mentally ill, we're going to need more money for that. Now, if you're a fiscal conservative, you might just see that as a you know a ploy to get even more money, right? More taxes, but that makes sense to me. I mean, was there anybody thinking that the uh, police anywhere were overfunded? No. No, there there is the issue, and this was Democrats who did this of the uh, lavish pension systems that are now unsupportable. Oh, oh no, no, no doubt. Um, yeah, that, and now that ironically be they're going to defund the police. But uh, it, it's difficult to know. You have to know the particulars of what they're talking about doing because in in politics you purposely smear these distinctions. But are they talking about reapportioning a reasonable amount of money from the cops to mental health services? And saying, hey, you fellows, you don't have to go on mental health calls anymore unless they call for backup. And most of the cop shops would probably say, finally, yes, thank you. Um, We'd appreciate the funding, but we get it. And then you have the, I mean, half a billion dollars going to, quote, unquote, social programs. Social programs, while well-meaning, are often just a... Just a drain, just a money drain. The money oh, yeah. disappears. I don't, I don't know what sp- uh, specifically is being proposed here, and I'll bet they don't either. And we'll see that. Yeah, we got like ninety days till the election, so somebody's got to draw that up in, in in probably a way that's designed to mislead you. Oh yeah, absolutely, always. And uh, and we'll have to tear into the particulars. But around the country, you've seen a lot of you know, and jobs programs. Okay, now now you're just talking about a money hole, right? Right. The the cronies of the people in power will uh, start running these programs. They will get very, very wealthy doing it, and it will have absolutely zero effect on the ground, or, or damn near zero effect on the ground. But that scam, I mean, if your scam works over and over again, you keep running the scam. But the experiment in lawlessness that's going on, particularly on the West Coast in this country, and a couple of uh, blue enclaves, uh, Austin, uh, certainly New York City, my gosh, um, Watching that play out is going to be a grim and uh, and fascinating experience over the next decade or so. You see what's happening in Portland. You see what's happening in Seattle. Uh, San Francisco is crumbling. It's um, you know skyrocketing crime, just filth, uh, families fleeing, loss of population. It's something to see. How bad can government be? Well, we're watching it. Um. And what about Hollywood? The positive side of L.A., the entertainment industry. That's floundering, too, during these troubled times. Although I think the whole direct-to-video uh, to thing, 
well, they used to call it direct to video. If you made a movie that was so crappy, nobody'd ever go to see it. Uh, what's the what's the proper term now? Positive Sean or entertainment correspondent? Sea lioning. Wait, what? what no, <laughs> you, you produce a, a movie like the new live action Mulan, and you pipe it immediately into people's homes. Uh, video on demand. Okay, so yeah, or, yeah. Per, or per specifically premium video on demand because you're paying extra above and beyond what your normal subscription cost would be. Yeah, yeah, I think the whole Pivot, if you see that reference. Okay, going to a theater with a bunch of other unwashed humans and sitting there in the room together watching the movie is it's got a bit, it's a bit anachronistic. Well, uh, we got to some statistics late in the show yesterday about how much bigger video gaming in it is than the movie industry and right. the music industry. It's just not even close. Uh, but part of that is the movie industry dropping off, and um, the, these statistics came out in a normal year. How, I don't know how many movies you've been to this year in a movie theater. <laughs> Let me zero. I think I took the kids to one early in the year. But a normal year, around $1.2, $1.3 billion in movie ticket sales, about $1.23 billion. This year so far, $290 million. Mm. That's Oof. amazing. Oof. Down, eh, roughly all of it. <laughs> wow. Man, that's a heck of a lot of jobs for a heck oh, of a yeah. lot of young oh, people yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and and low-skilled people and all. And yeah, and somebody, owned the, you know, somebody, uh, somebody owned the building and you're supposed to get rent and will that stick around and just electricity. Just all, there's so many layers to all this. And whoever supplied the popcorn to the place and the soda and... Giant plants that made fake butter. Shutting down, sending all the workers home. Yeah, we got a bunch of texts yesterday from the because they they live in areas where the movie theaters are doing that thing where they're open and they're making concessions and you can stop by and pick them up curbside like movie popcorn. Okay, if you really want movie popcorn. Oh, you you're not going to watch a movie. No, you're just driving get by popcorn. So they're just trying to get some revenue going That's because funny. people like movie popcorn. But yeah, wow, I'm really so I'm going to you know what I need is is <sighs> two cents worth of popcorn for fifteen dollars. That's what I need. I thought I thought that we worked the other way around. You've got me stuck here. I can't eat anything else. Right. You'll yell at me if I bring in a peanut butter sandwich. So I'll pay extra for the popcorn because right. I'm here. I didn't know exactly. the reason I was there was to get ripped off for practically free food. Well, that would be like going to the airport for a $22 hamburger, even though you're not going anywhere. Smuggling. Would be odd, odd behavior. Smuggling in a PB&J. That's amateur maneuvers. Go with me. I, I'm bringing in a sizzling fajita platter. <laughs> nice. I like your style. I like your uh, airport analogy. Yes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just drive. I'm not going anywhere. I just feel like paying $6 for a small draft beer. Right. It just seems like a good idea. Sure. Well, let me think. Overpriced dry ham sandwich? Yes! <laughs> is anybody doing that? So the popcorn I kind of get because there is something unique about movie popcorn. And True I, that. I think it's because the, the if, you, if you watch the butter come out of the spigot, does that look like anything you've ever Ugh. seen at home? Is that what that's supposed to be, butter? <laughs> Uh, it's butter flavoring. <laughs> so, but that's different. But uh, d- d- anybody doing curbside? Yeah, I'd like six dollars for two peanut butter cups and a box of jujubes. Those, those I can buy other places at a quite better deal. I'm surprised jujubes still exist. It sounds like you know a racial slur, an ethnic slur. Oh, I tweeted out yesterday that it's time to cancel another brand. Nobody is. Uh, Nobody's woke enough to appreciate that the German imperialism of the 1910s is is gone undiscussed, and I ate a Red Baron pizza last night. And I thought, <laughs> how dare that company use Baron von Richthofen, uh, again, an imperialist German, a, a, a tool of the Kaiser. How dare Nazi they Germany. label their pizza with such an unwoke symbol? 
He's just right there on the front of the box. I could barely choke the entire thing down. Way to enjoy the Every Red Baron pizza. <laughs> That's a good pizza. Oh, it's solid. It was the four cheese. Not very expensive. A humble, a humble pie. A humble pizza pie. We had our first gluten-free pizza the other night from a place, and it was it was pretty good. Yeah? It was definitely good enough to eat. Was so. it the cauliflower crust? No, it was just a gluten-free okay. something or other, but... Cardboard. Um, another, a couple of surveys that are out. One on uh, attitudes about sports, and another one on attitudes about uh, defunding the police and that sort of thing, since we were just talking about it. Uh, broken down by racial groups, and the uh, results might surprise a lot of these city councils Uh-oh. when they take a look at it, among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Particularly if you're in a climate where you can do it, keep the windows open. I mean, that to me, when you're dealing with a respiratory virus, its simplicity is so, so obvious that people don't pay attention to it. Like, you mean telling me we got this big crisis and you're telling me to open up a window? Yes, I'm telling you to open up the window. There's a lot of words to say better off your windows are open. And Dr. Fauci. Get air. the air through. Ben Franklin was an innovator in that back in the day. True that. The conventional wisdom was, oh, man, it's it's the outdoor air that gives you disease. And he said, no, I think it's being indoors with people. I think you ought to open the windows. And he was, uh, he was uh, smart. Did out. he do anything else? He was uh, stripped naked, beaten, and sent into the wilderness. Never seen again. Old Ben Franklin. No, he's, a, he's, yeah, he's an amazing man. What's uh, the best Ben Franklin biography? You know, you're big on the biographies. Uh, H.W. Brands, I believe, is considered. Although, mm. Also, Ben Franklin's auto autobiography is considered a classic. I tried to read that. Yeah, it's written a little old-timey. Got bogged down. Yeah, the S's or F's and all that sort of thing. Well, or the F's just, or S's, I don't know which is which. What? You ever seen old-timey writing? He, he goes on at length about stuff that's a little dry. Shut up, Ben. Yeah. We got Netflix Listen. now. Get to the point. You're one of the great geniuses who's ever strode the earth, but you're boring me. Where's the skip forward 30 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> and just seeing an ad up there for the Baconator at Wendy's. That's my son's new favorite sandwich. You ever had Ooh, the Baconator? I have not. Good sandwich. No. Um, better I be- eat fast food about once a year. Honest to goodness. It's possibly too good. I eat fast food as often as you go to the dentist. Oh. <laughs> Regularly. <laughs> Every six months. A majority support NFL team name change. That's on the whole, should the Redskins change your name? I don't care either way. Change it, don't change it. Whatever. I don't care. I've been debating whether or not I want to get a official licensed Washington football team shirt while it's still available. Yes. But uh, strongly... Next year, college sweatshirt. <laughs> the plurality is strongly support, 36%, strongly support changing the name. Uh, the next biggest number is uh, strongly oppose at 20, but overall, most people support. But not, you know, not a lot. 36, 17, what is that? Uh, 20, 50, 50, 54. So 54... Just a barely over majority support it. Of course, you do have 16% don't know, which I, I don't know. On this one, I give you a pass. That's not very important. This is. Gallup out with a poll just yesterday, because we were just talking about L.A. voted. L.A. County just voted to uh, defund the police, a big chunk of money. Well, to put that on the ballot, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. To put on the ballot, the idea of defunding the police. Fake news. Um, According to Gallup, 
out yesterday, 80% of black Americans favor a police presence in their area equal to current levels or more. So about half. (laughs) How? Sorry, educated white woman. Sorry, with your graduate degree, white women all across the country who are leading this charge for telling uh, black people and uh, Hispanics what their neighborhood should be like. 80% of black people say, I want the same police or more in my neighborhood. We probably need to report uh, to uh, to repeat this story later because the woke white women are busy screaming at black cops that they're racists. So they're a little busy right now. That's astounding. Isn't it? Did you get the idea that the numbers were anything like that from the media? No, of course not. No. Lion liars. Where the lion stops, the incompetence begins. Unreal. Of course that's true. The vast, vast, vast majority of interactions between coppers and minority folks are peaceful, calm, and helpful. The vast majority. The ugly ones, we need to root out, of course. So 80% of black Americans favor same or more police. Um, So about 20% polled that they would like to see an increase. 19% favor less police presence. Then you get that big chunk in the middle that would like they're fine with it staying the same. Okay. Which is the plurality. But um, Well, that rings true with virtually every non-activist voice I've heard. Somebody with a job, somebody with a family, somebody with a house. You almost always hear that out of their mouths. No, we need the cops here. Maybe we ought to reform the police, but we don't want them gone. Yeah, that that's something. Man, why isn't that a, a better-known statistic right there? Well, they just did the poll, but... Yeah. I'm sure somebody will write a brainy and overly long book about... Well, they probably already have about how perceptions are shaped and misshaped through uh, news coverage. This is an interesting uh, drilling down on it. 79% of black respondents who have had at least one interaction with the police in the past year said they want the police to spend the same time in their neighborhood or more. It's practically unchanged. Uh, but so, you know, it does. it's not just... Well, it includes people who've had an interaction with the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with people who haven't interacted with the police, it's, police, it's slightly higher at 82%. But So that didn't have much of an effect, right? which is also not what you would get well, from the media. Statistically, it's, it's insignificant. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Boy, that's, God, that stat has got to be thrown into this conversation, doesn't it? And then you have seriously significant media figures suggesting that the cops are going around murdering black people at random. Hunting. You hear, you hear just sure. awful terms used. Well, the, as that L.A. supervisor said, um, it's the people in the gated communities that don't deal with this that are that that are, that are pushing this. The yeah. people in the neighborhoods where this is a problem, they don't want less police around. It's not even close. It's not even a close issue. It's not enough of an issue to even discuss when you're at eighty percent. Yeah, it's been decided. How about you let them decide for their own neighborhoods? People that live in neighborhoods where the you know you have crime or whatever. Young woke white women can't stand them. Sounding. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I can feel it in the future. 
Kaidun. So it's the uh, 75, 75th anniversary of the first time mankind used an atomic bomb to kill other human beings. Uh, Hiroshima, Japan. 40,000 people killed instantly. There had never been a weapon that could even come close to doing that sort of damage in an instant. And um, probably worth mentioning that those bombs were teeny tiny compared to the bombs that exist. Not today. even not even close to the same thing. Well, they're a different kind of bomb. They yeah. were atomic bombs as opposed to hydrogen bombs. And, you know, you can research that, but they're not even close to the same thing. Anyway, it was still quite the dramatic change in the history of warfare uh, that happened 75 years ago today. I'm reading Countdown 1945 by Chris Wallace. Which is really an interesting book. It's short and easy to read, you know, if you if you don't want thick the uh, 900-page uh, history things. You just want kind of like a breezy, like it's a TV show. It's a good book. Mm-hmm. And it goes day by day from when Truman finds out he's president just a few weeks earlier. I mean, just not that long earlier. FDR dies. All of a sudden, he's president of the United States, and they immediately inform him, oh, by the way, we got the worst weapon human beings have ever uh if you've ever thought of uh, being able to use, we've got it now. What now? And uh, you need to decide whether or not we're going to use it. And he's got to make that decision on is, his own. Is it true that FDR really kept him at arm's length? That Truman oh, absolutely. Didn't do he don't, they'd only had a they'd only met uh, had a private conversation twice ever. Wow, it's astonishing. It is. Um, but so in the days before they decided to drop the bomb, Harry Truman was still uh, having trouble deciding whether or not to do it. He prided himself on being a very decisive person, but he said this is a this you know this is a new level of trying to make a decision, which of course it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he so he sat down with uh, Dwight Eisenhower and uh, uh, Omar Bradley and generals at the time, and obviously I think you know who Eisenhower is. And Eisenhower was uh, he was leaning against using the bomb. He uh, when he was informed about the bomb just before the meeting with Truman, he got depressed immediately. He told the president that he had grave misgivings about using the bomb. He said, first of all, Japan's already defeated. So using a fearsome explosive was unnecessary. And secondly, we should avoid shocking world opinion by being the, by being the first nation to dramatically escalate the nature of warfare. So he, he was leaning against it. Interesting guy, Ike. Valid points to bring up. When um, uh, We should say for fans, for non-history like freaks like ourselves, Japan was already defeated in, in, in practical terms, more or less. Well, that's coming up here. Okay. Churchill, when he was uh, informed about the bomb, and he only really found out about the success of it not long before uh, this meeting either, uh, where Stalin, Truman, and Churchill all got together. Churchill said in typical Churchill style, and to have that way with words with everything would be very exciting. He can make everything so dramatic. Oh, yeah. Uh, He was told about the bomb, and he said, what was gunpowder? Trivial. What was electricity? Meaningless. The atomic bomb is the second coming of wrath. Now that's a, now that's a thing to, to just roll off your tongue. What the heck? I know it's too eloquent. He was also there at the meeting. I didn't. I didn't. Somehow I'd missed this. He was at the meeting with Stalin and Truman, with the guy he had just run against because they just had an election, mm. and thought, well, if I lose this, you know, I forget his name. He's lost to history. He's not that important. Um, if I lose, this guy's prime minister, so he's got to be in on this meeting, too. So you got, wouldn't that be weird? Yeah. It'd be like Trump going to meet with whoever in a world war, and you bring along Biden with you because you got to have him there, too, in case he wins. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Churchill referred to this guy as a sheep in sheep's clothing. He didn't think of it much. <laughs> now, that's a funny phrase. <laughs> anyway. 
back to the bomb. So Truman turned to um, uh, General Marshall then and said, what do you say about this? And the president asked for the latest estimate of what it would take to defeat the Japanese on their home islands if we didn't use the atomic bomb. And Marshall said that we had killed more than 100,000 people in Tokyo in one night last week, and it had seemingly no effect whatsoever. It destroyed the Japanese city, but the morale was not as affected as far as we could tell at all. They will fight to the very last man and uh, projected that it would cost at least a million casualties, U.S. casualties, if we went ahead and invaded Japan and tried to submit them. The only the only question that still lies out there for history is whether or not we should have insisted on unconditional surrender. Mm-hmm. Public opinion was really that way. They, they did polling on that. And uh, the polls showed practically nobody was for letting Emperor Hirohito off the hook. But there is some belief that if we'd have said, look, Hirohito gets to stay, you know, emperor, using your finger quotes, whatever that means. But but everything else, you know, we're in charge of everything else. And that they might have surrendered in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we we didn't. We went with complete unconditional, you got to go. We're in charge. You got nothing. You got no say in this whatsoever. And so they went with fighting the last man. I don't know the answer to that one, and who does? Um, there was a belief that since FDR had stuck with that, mentioned it in every speech, unconditional surrender, if Truman takes over and weeks later says, oh, okay, we'll have a condition, he would have just looked so weak on the world stage. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. that matter. Yeah. I don't know. And there are revisionist histories out there that will cite various communiques uh, that the Japanese sent back and forth indicating that they might go ahead and surrender if they could keep the emperor, which is, you know, just goes to show you how odd Japanese culture was at the time compared to modern, you know, American culture. But um, but what you don't know, and if you study you know, history, you start to realize this. The guy who sent that communique, his nickname might have been Old Stupid Ed. You know, or or he was the, the the fat cat son of somebody, and nobody really took him very seriously. But you can write a history that makes it sound like if only we'd known, it would have changed everything. But you don't know. You don't know the internal dynamics of discussions like that. It was like you know, if if somebody wanted to leak just the uh, Eisenhower part of those discussions you're describing, it would be a very, very different discussion than if they included the General Marshall stuff right. as well. So, yeah. so uh, You have to be careful with revisionist history. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to be careful with all history. One interesting dynamic is, so Stalin comes to Truman's, they're all living in little villas there. How where, weird where must meeting. that have been? I can't even imagine. Churchill, Truman, and Stalin. And imagine if you're Truman. These guys all knew each other. FDR had been president forever, you know, and was such a giant world figure. And then you're showing up, you know, you were a congressman not that long ago, and now you're sitting down with Stalin and Churchill and trying to be an equal and everything. That would be a very weird dynamic. Sure. Um, but anyway, so Stalin comes to Truman, our president, and says, look, there's something I got to tell you. Japan has reached out to us. They want to work out a deal. Here's what we think we're up to. Truman acted surprised. Well, it turned out we had broken the code of the Japanese, um, and so we knew all these communications ahead of time. The reverse was also true, and that Truman said, I've got something to tell you. We've got this new weapon, and Stalin acted, oh, my gosh. He had known for six weeks because he had spies in Los Alamos that was that were telling him, sending him plans of the very bomb on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So both of them were pretending to be surprised by each other's information when they both already had that information. Right. Oh, that's funny. It, it, uh, yeah, that's that oh, is really funny something. in a very kind of sickening and world altering yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, it's really that's really yeah. something. 
You have what now? Hmm. That's exciting. Um, and then I had one one other point I wanted to make that I thought was, thought was interesting on the whole thing. You know, it was bomb the Japanese, and then you drop the bomb, and then there's a mushroom cloud, and then a bunch of people melt. You know, I have a thing, if you want, Go while ahead. you're collecting your thoughts. I was just going to say that, that there are, and surely you're aware of this, a number of activists who act as though the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki were indefensible and, and a war crime and the rest of it. Um, and, and certainly the idea of uh, eventually, how many people was it eventually who died um, from this, not only the initial deaths, but the burns and radiation? Yeah, this book says 200,000. Yeah, that's probably that's fairly close to accurate anyway. Um, it, it's horrific. I mean, it's, it's uh, unthinkable. It's terrible. It's awful. But then you look at, for instance, the Soviet Union lost 27 million people during World War II. 27 million. The Nazi war machine ground up, killed, God, how many millions were were defending uh, Leningrad? Millions and millions of men. And, you know, uh, again, the losses at Hiroshima and Nagasaki were incredibly unfortunate and terrible, and anybody with a living soul regrets that that ever happened. But measured against the horrors of the years-long globe-engulfing war, just had to end. Had to end. Yeah, I think that's one decision. That's one part of the decision. The other part of it clearly was you're unleashing this new power on the world that is going to be around, and there was no way they could know that it wasn't going. It was going to be used, you know, one more time, and that was it for the next seventy-five years. That's just astounding that 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 has occurred. Sure. Um, and everybody went into a depression. Oppenheimer, who invented the bomb and led the led the whole thing at Los Alamos, for he went into a de- deep depression. Eisenhower was depressed. Truman got depressed. People that never got depressed got depressed, thinking, "Oh my God, we've crossed the line of humanity now. There's no turning back, and we're probably going to wipe ourselves out." And why wouldn't you have thought that? Well, right, right. I have two horrific choices, and I need to make it. I need to make one of them. And once I do this, the, the genie's out of the bottle. And, you know, I've seen around me during World War II what human beings are capable of. That just right. Where is this going to end? Right. It is amazing that in 75 years it hasn't been used more often. Uh, the other interesting thing to me is so... Truman, Commander in Chief, the the you know the way we've designed our uh, our system is we have a civilian person that makes the final call on on all these uh, military adventures, and that is the President of the United States. And so here's another weapon, no different than any other. He makes the decision when and how, and it's been that way all along, just kind of because that's the way it started. And there's a lot of people think why why does one person have that ability? that no human being has ever had before? And that is a pretty good question. Mm-hmm. Should we have... Now, in the heat of a moment, you've got to have one person that can make... The... You can't You can't. You get a committee together and have Congress vote and everything like that if missiles are on the way from China or the Soviet Union or wherever. Sure. But if you have time to think about it, like Truman did in that case, we're at war, should we use this weapon to end the war? Should that be one person's decision? To use something that powerful, what we've got now, an H-bomb? Or should you have a committee, at least, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and, you know, the Speaker of the House and the Majority Leader or something weigh in on that, as opposed to one human being? MacArthur wanted to use nuclear weapons in the Korean War. Very strongly thought, we can end it right now, and Truman, you know, held back against it. Boy, the world would have been different if we'd have used it then. But, you know, just Truman's personality, if you have a different president, maybe you go ahead and use them. You know, your suggestion or your question is a really thought-provoking one. I think three people is problematic. 
you get beyond three people deciding, and it becomes craziness. And you get more politicians to where there's always the opportunity to leak it, you shade it this way or that. I don't know. Right, right. Because you can't be leaking that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, there are advantages just having one person who's aware history will judge me. And that's the only thing that matters right and now. I'm not worried about the next election or whether I can make that guy look bad or say he was against defending the United States. Although it is, uh, it is an uh, a, it's, it's an unthinkable amount of power in one set of hands. Absolutely, yeah. To be able to snuff that many people, particularly again because the nuclear, the hydrogen bombs we have today. I mean, please that that explosion the other day in Beirut, it's firecracker. Compared to a hydrogen bomb. I don't know. I don't know if that movement will ever gain traction. I think the problem would be whoever's president at the time, it would be seen as a rebuke of that president. Every other president we've trusted with this decision-making power, but not you. Like, if you tried to do it now, you'd think it was just, oh, because you'd think Trump's crazy or dangerous. Right. And if you did it with Biden, you'd think, oh, that's just because you think Biden's lost his mind. Um, It'd be difficult to get a bipartisan yeah. buy-in on that. Yeah, yeah indeed. Have to almost be a constitutional amendment or something like that. Probably. Have to have overwhelming agreement. Anyway, I highly recommend that book, 1945, if you have any interest in this topic. Uh, it's pretty good. And I recommend uh, Summer of 69, if you have an interest in uh, Brian Adams and him learning to play guitar. <laughs> Just uh, fans of history. I'm not sure how that pairs. It's, um, it's catchy. It's a chorus sing-along. It's just fabulous. <laughs> That's hilarious. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A Taiwanese airline is offering a three-hour so-called trip-to-nowhere round-trip flight for customers who miss air travel amid the coronavirus pandemic that will feature a Michelin-starred in-flight meal and free Wi-Fi. And if you're wondering who would ever risk their life for that, you clearly don't have kids. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you what. I will not pay the $8 for uh, the Wi-Fi on the plane. I feel like I'm getting ripped off. For my son's? Yes, yeah, I will, just because it makes my life so much easier. Yeah, even before I was kind of in the disconnected movement, where I intentionally carve out time to be alone with my own thoughts so I don't go completely insane, um, I just, I paid you $450 yeah. for an airline ticket. Your incremental cost to give me Wi-Fi is zero. How about you quit being a, a, a you-know-what? <laughs> You're just being a dick. All right, for the frank language, folks. Speaking of frank language, experts are holding war games on how the election could go and the election results and the counting of votes and the rest of it. There's a modern expression to describe it. It rhymes with spit show. Mm. We can talk about that a little bit longer I th- or in a, in a little while. Um I think if we're all mentally prepared for it, yeah, I think it'll be much better. I, I think more people need to lay the groundwork on both sides. Say, look, we're not going to have a result on election night. The, the, the way we vote is different now, and with the COVID, so many mail-in. Bat- so let's not get into our head that we'll know November, whatever the next day is, 
who the president is or that right. night or we're going to have the big speech and the balloons like, in, you know, as normal. No, it's going to take a while. Well, and I can promise you the Russians and the Chinese and the North Koreans and Idahoans and whoever else is going to be spreading as many conspiracies and, and rumors and, and horrific ideas as they can online. So, you know. Again, let's go in with our eyes open. God, I've been saying I want it to be I want it to be overwhelming one way or the other. Not close. That doesn't do anybody any good. It's going to go down to a single vote in Wisconsin. <laughs> one guy. <laughs> Did you vote or didn't you? I don't remember. See, I was leaning Trump, but then I remember thinking, oh, Biden's a good guy, but I might have picked Trump. I said to myself, I said, be sure to mail in your ballot, but I don't recall if I did. <laughs> well, we've got one with your name on it. Let me see that signature. Yep, that's mine. Or maybe not. <laughs> and they're going to drag him into the Supreme Court. the world's most important man. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to be sitting on his chest, slapping him. Yes or no? Just say it. I don't care what it is. Just yes or no? <laughs> Yeah, that's unlikely, but possible. Jack, on a sober note, people are getting sick and dying after drinking hand sanitizer amidst the pandemic. Well, that's your problem, you (laughs) freaking moron. Stop doing that. I'm hearing a distinct lack of sympathy here. I can't help you, you (laughs) muttonhead. I love this. This is the USA Today. This just came out today. And they manage at the end of it to work it back to Trump's vague... There are disinfectants that can kill it on your hands. If we could get something like that in people's I bodies, still hear it, I, I still hear it said with a straight face. And Trump told people to drink bleach. Right. No, that's not what happens. Not even close. In fact, the USA Today, which is terrible, uh, the di- occurred after President Trump suggested during a briefing that injecting disinfectant might be a good treatment option. All right, whatever. So uh, this is, as far as I can tell, the only excuse they have for running this article, but I love the lead. People are getting sick and dying after drinking hand sanitizer. Mm -hmm. How many people? Four people in a nation of 340 million. That's one out of 85 million people. And uh, the number of people, it's been like, uh, you know, a few dozen Sick from drinking hand sanitizer. Four people stapled their tongues to the roof of their mouth. Oh, right, Four people exactly. have done everything. <clears throat> Probably all in Florida. There is one uh, one note though that I do not appreciate, although I absolutely believe of the fifteen cases of methanol poisoning reported in, for some reason they say Arizona and New Mexico. Um, maybe that's a hotbed of sanitizer drinking. I don't know. Of the fifteen cases, thirteen of them were men. Yeah, well, see, one thing that'd be misleading, I know for a fact, I've I've talked to these people uh, in the world of alcoholics, that's a common, like, you've really gone off the rails, you're drinking hand sanitizer for the oh, alcohol. Oh, really? Or when you're out in your house and you're just like on a bender. That's what that most likely is, and that's been happening for decades. Mm. That's what that is. It's not a Trump said anything. It's not a COVID anything. It's a hardcore alcoholic who's out of booze and desperately wants more. I know that happens. I've talked to people personally that have done that. That's funny. The USA Today blames the president. Yeah. No, but that's what that is. I I know it is. Wow. Wow. That's isn't uh, that something? Drinking hand sanitizer. If you're about to do that, email me. All right. I'll send you five bucks. You can buy a drink. Goodness sakes. Armstrong and Getty.
Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting and loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hey there, parents and teachers. Are you tired of feeling like every day is a battle of wills with your kids? Let me tell you about something that changed the game. Love and Logic. Love and Logic isn't just another parenting or teaching strategy. It's a mindset shift that empowers you to raise responsible, respectful kids while keeping your sanity intact. With Love and Logic, you'll learn practical techniques to set limits with empathy, give your kids the tools they need to make smart choices, and build relationships based on mutual respect and understanding. Love and Logic stands behind their methods with a one-year money-back guarantee. Try it out risk-free. If it doesn't change your life, we'll buy it back. Plus, you can get 10% off with code IHEART10. So if you're ready to say goodbye to power struggles and hello to peaceful, loving relationships with your kids, it's time to give Love and Logic a try. Visit their website or call today. Your sanity will thank you. Love and Logic, because parenting and teaching should be a joy, not a chore. Visit loveandlogic.com.